0: Coming to you from the mysterious Pacific Northwest, this is Normal Paranormal. normal
1: Tonight on the show, we've got Vera.
0: She cooks.
2: She counsels. She keeps 50 plants alive, so now I have no clue how she does it.
1: What we're saying is she's rad, probably a watering can, Adam.
2: She's got some spooky stories with some spooky similarities. Let's summon Vera to tell us more. Welcome to the show tonight, folks. On the line, we have Vera. Vera, how are you tonight?
1: I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm I'm doing really good. How about you, Adam?
2: I am so good. I uh, I just got a new pair of slippers, and my feet are just toasty and comfortable. Yeah, and they look soft. comfy as hell. Uh, it's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can't complain. It was a pretty good day. How are things where you are, Vera? Very wet. It's like we're getting your weather out
3: here.
0: <laughs> oh, no.
3: Um, yesterday, I soaked through a rain jacket and several layers of clothing, and my shoes pretty much got ruined. So today, I tried to wear snow boots and an actual coat and I've made it home dry.
1: It is not even November. That's, whoa. (laughs) Too early for snow
2: boots. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. I got out my boots the other day and realized that they both have holes in the heel and they let all of the rainwater in. They are rain boots. They must be replaced. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that's kind of the, the core purpose of a rain boot. I know. Keep the water out.
1: I know. <laughs> they're so cute, though. I kind of want to just like put some glue to stop up the hole so I can still wear them. I mean, duct tape. Yeah, duct,
2: tape. <laughs> duct, tape duct tape fixes everything. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just do like me and never leave the house and always stay in your slippers always because stay in the they're slippers. so Ooh. damn comfortable.
1: I mean, I would like that a lot.
2: <laughs> well, Vera, I think our listeners um, might like to know a little bit about you. Why don't you just? Tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you like to do?
1: What are you doing when you're not talking about your paranormal experiences? Ooh, well, right now I'm in a career
3: transition. I am switching over to do mental health counseling. So I'm opening up my own practice um, beginning of next year, and so that's a big, big setup. All the website.
2: Well, congratulations! Cards,
3: all these and thank you. It's been really exciting. That's incredible. Thanks. Whenever I'm not working on that, (laughs) I really like reading. Last year, I read 61 books. Holy (laughs) crap.
2: That is really liking reading.
3: Yeah. I didn't expect that I would read that many. I entered a book club online called The Year of Reading Greatly, and I think they definitely won. (laughs) So, uh, yes. And then when I'm not doing that, I take care of some plants, Mm -hmm. and by some, I mean like 53, (laughs) I counted last week.
2: (laughs) (laughs) One for every book.
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And uh, the other thing that people know me to do is culinary school. I'm not actually doing the school part since I uh, ended up taking 10 years to get through my master's, but uh, I do the non-credit classes,
1: and it's been really fun. What is something tasty you've made recently that does sound really
3: fun? Ooh, last week we made gumbo. It was really cool because there were like four different types, some with roux, okra,
2: and sassafras. I can't not say sassafras whenever I hear that word. (laughs) That sounds delicious and perfect, I guess, for the rainy weather and the
0: the boots. Yeah,
1: Uh I took a few of those classes back in the day. Um... Convincing myself that I would someday own a bakery, and I, my favorite part was eating the eating the food that we made at the end.
0: Yes. Um. How
1: was the gumbo? How did it turn out? Oh, it was so good. The seafood one was the best. I bet. I feel like we tried to make gumbo maybe in one of my classes. I can't remember, but I know that most of the recipes I did like about seventy-five percent right. Like I should have gotten a C for sure, but. On the last day of class, the teacher took me out in the hallway, and he did this with every student to tell them what their grade was going to be, and the first thing he said to me was just, you're not the best. It's was like, yes, I know. <laughs> but you showed up every time. You never asked to leave early. You never complained. I'm going to give you an A. I thought that was the kindest thing he could have done. <laughs>
0: That's
2: awesome. That's amazing. Is that why you have me do all the cooking? <laughs>
1: Maybe. I just, I don't have the patience for it. Like it is an art. I have patience for like one kind of art and that's writing and cooking is just not that for me. I enjoy eating though, which is probably why I liked the end of the class the best. Yeah. I mean, yes,
2: (laughs) I feel like I'd be in the same boat. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you have a lot going on. You know what though? I feel like there's a, a small thread here because when we talked about your experiences, uh, you know, outside of this interview, you have a, actually quite a few experiences throughout multiple phases of your life. And um, I'm really excited uh, for you to share those stories. Um, so I'd love it if if we could get into that.
1: Oh, of course. I'm excited too. Yeah, tell them in, in any order you wish, but this sounds fascinating.
3: I'm thinking the best way would be to do chronological Um, Just because I can keep track better, maybe that'll help you guys keep track better. So the first set of three experiences all happened in a very small house here in Midtown Omaha. So imagine walking in. There's a living room, kitchen in the back with a little breakfast nook, um, two bedrooms you know, just your basic first starter home. Of course, I was four or five, so my parents starter home. And um, one of my favorite places actually was the basement. And the reason why was because my grandpa was able to snag a um, chalkboard from one of the local schools and he was able to somehow carry it into the basement for me. And I loved drawing and I loved pretending to be a teacher. How cool. And so that was one of my favorite places. Yeah, it was really cool. I enjoyed the house. Still drive by it once in a while just to reminisce.
1: (laughs) Yeah, reliving old memories. I love that. I'm so sentimental. Me too.
3: Well, I remember being four and I was just playing with toys, minding my own business, and my mom was taking a bath. And I remember I had to ask her a question. Don't know what it was, but I walked over there and knocked on the door because she had it propped open a little, and I was just like, Hey, Mom, whatever question it was. (laughs) And I remember looking up to the left, and there was a dragonfly about a foot long in wingspan. It was brown kind of fuzzy like moth and this dragonfly just like fluttered around the room and then came out the door where I was and I looked over at my mom and she's like okay what's going on (laughs) and I was like mom did you just see that she's like what I didn't see anything and I was like there was a dragonfly and she didn't see it um So I was really confused (laughs) (laughs) and just thought like, hmm, my imagination must be on a wild ride today, even though I'm four. (laughs) So that was my first encounter, which I feel like was a very innocent one.
1: So from the beginning, when you were four, you already were thinking that was not normal. That was something that doesn't typically exist in the world and it was a strange experience.
3: Yes. It did remind me of something, though. So I I also dream pretty crazy. And as a four-year-old, I had this dream where the coat closet, I got to open up the door one day. And I know this is a dream, not real life. But instead of it being Narnia inside, it was cheers. Like. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: The TV show
3: with the bar.
2: Is the theme song playing?
3: (laughs) Pretty much. Like, everybody was there raising their glass as I was, like, walking in. It kind
1: of sounds like a better Narnia, right?
2: Yeah. Everybody knows your name. There's beer. You get to hang out with Ted Danson.
3: Oh, yes. (laughs) So, like, I remember thinking, like, well, I know this wasn't a dream. Like, I'm awake. Why did I
1: see that? Hmm. And it freaked me out. Mm-hmm. So you knew that it was kind of it, kind of had a dreamlike quality, but but it wasn't of the the world. I don't know how to articulate that. But. Yeah. No,
3: exactly. Like almost, I don't know, a different dimension in a way, or I don't even know.
1: <laughs> so that was your very first experience. Were there any others um, like that in the house?
3: Yeah. So. The next one I had was with our basement, my favorite place to play. My parents were listening to music actually in the living room. And I was dancing. I loved pretending to be a ballerina. So I remember I was spinning around, uh, mostly in the kitchen, and that's where the basement door was. And as I was spinning, I heard this Vera. And it was like really terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Sorry about the bad impersonation. No, it was a great but... <laughs> impersonation. I
2: would have been terrified.
3: I shouted down the stairs, who's there? And then again, I heard, Vera. You were there? Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't figure out what was down there. So, of course, I'm like terrified. So, I run to my parents and and they're like, oh, you're just hearing things. Mm. I'm like, no, I heard there's like an old man downstairs. I can hear his voice and I know he's calling for me. And my mom came down the stairs with me and I thought like, well, maybe he's behind the chalkboard. And we walked around and she was holding my hand and we could not find out like what the noise was. Mm. But in my mind, I pictured, like, I don't know, kind of a big, I guess, bald, older man, maybe scruffy. I just imagined some, I don't know, <laughs> someone that I just didn't know was down there. I asked my parents later on, actually, if they remembered this memory And they thought, well, what if we were listening to the song I'm named after, which is Pink Floyd, The Wall Album, and it says, Vera, what has become of you? (laughs) And so I listened to it and I'm like, no, that wasn't the voice. (laughs) They sound a lot happier on the Pink Floyd album.
2: That's the first time I've ever heard Pink Floyd as a potential explanation for the Paranormal Encounter. I've sometimes heard of things that go along with listening to Pink Floyd as the explanation for an encounter. Um, but it's like it's
1: not like, oh, no, that was just the record. It's just the song.
2: <laughs> Maybe playing it backwards. If they were playing yeah. it backwards, I've heard that.
1: Might have been. <laughs> but, but it's interesting that they already, or not already, but that they have an explanation for what happened. Like, you know, we always, when we can't explain something, we are on a search for that explanation, you know, and they're like, Maybe it was this, maybe it was this, maybe it was this. And it's like kind of uncomfortable to consider if it's not any of those explainable things. And it was a voice that you heard and you still don't know where it came from. Like how creepy. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally.
2: My favorite thing though, is that it seems like you immediately pictured the Quaker Oats man (laughs) as the person making the sound.
1: (laughs) He has Uh, hair. Oh yeah, he does have hair. He's not bald. Wait, it might be a wig.
2: It could be a wig. It looks like a wig. Anyways, I'm sorry. I don't mean to make light of it, but that is the first thing that popped in my head when
3: you said that. No, it's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I grew up in a pretty religious household. And so um, I, after talking, considered like, I wonder if it was Satan in the Mm. basement. And so... That's my conclusion, even though my parents concluded it was Pink
2: <laughs> Some <laughs> yeah. folks might say it's the same.
1: I was just going to say that. We we're like on a twin <laughs> brain here. Um, so was your mom convinced? Was she trying to tell you, no, nothing happened. See, I'm going to show you. Or was she more like, oh, interesting. Let's go look together. You know, what was her reaction when she took you down?
3: Yeah, I think— I, Think Well, we had an entrance down there, too. I think she wanted to show me that nothing was down there. But I also remember her being creeped out like, maybe something is down here. Mm -hmm.
1: Like she wouldn't have been able to just brush it off unless she went herself to go see. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Pretending to be brave so that Vera's not scared anymore, even though your mom was probably scared, too. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs)
2: So is that it that happened in that house, or are there more stories from this place as well?
3: Yes, there's one more. So I was living in the same house. I think it was about a year later, so I was about five, maybe close to six. And um, of course, being a kid, I couldn't get a glass out of the cabinet unless if I had pushed a chair over to the counter and did you know, that little counter crawl thing that all kids do, or at least we did.
2: (laughs) Our cat also does that. (laughs)
3: Yes. (laughs) So I remember it was on the right side of the sink. I opened up the cabinet door and the same dragonfly that I remember seeing came out of the glass that I was grabbing and the glass was upside down. So somehow. Whoa. This dragonfly fit into it, and I took the glass out of the cabinet, and the dragonfly like flew out of the glass and fluttered around the ceiling and disappeared in thin air. Hmm.
1: And did you recognize it? I remember it being that same brown,
3: fuzzy, like, foot-long, wingspan dragonfly.
2: Do you think the dragonfly symbol holds any significance? Or was it just a, a random thing that appeared to you?
3: It just seems so random. Like, honestly, I am terrified of every bug. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's not like I was excited to see it by any means. Sure. Um, yeah, it was just very confusing.
1: Did you tell anyone about it? Did you tell your parents?
3: Oh, yeah, I told my mom again, and she didn't seem to understand, like, why I saw it, and yeah, she did say, though, she, whenever I ask her about this time period of my life, she remembers me in my bedroom having tea parties with angels, and so I feel like I was just young and could see a lot of things, but I don't understand where
2: dragonflies fit into that room.
0: Mm-hmm. How interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. And do you see the dragonfly connected at all to the basement story?
1: Or are they separate?
3: No, they are so separate because I didn't feel fear with the dragonfly. I just felt really
2: confused.
1: Hmm.
0: That's Curious. so
2: interesting. <laughs> the angels tea party, that...
1: Do you remember that? I can
3: picture the tea party set. I remember talking about their gold hair. And, like, that's all I can remember. She said that I carried on, like, pretty long conversations with them. And she'd just sit outside my door and listen. But you don't
2: remember seeing them?
3: Uh, just, like, fuzzy gold hair, long hair. Hmm white robes. Whole, I feel like it's the iconic yeah, angel picture.
2: The whole shebang.
3: Yeah. Wings. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember wings. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I've never thought about that before.
1: But the dragonflies had wings.
3: Yes. <laughs> yes. Very fuzzy brown, gross wings.
2: <laughs> okay, so we're now at four experiences in this house. Are there
1: more? Ah. Uh, I honestly can't remember anymore. Okay. But there was some activity going on in this place. It would seem so. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. So you're you're in this house. You're growing up and you've seen these things. I know this isn't the end of your stories. Tell us about the sort of next phase um, that you sort of told us about.
3: Yeah. So the next set of experiences or encounters, as I like to call them, I was 14 years old. But I feel like I should preface a bit before this, too, that, um, as I mentioned, my family was very spiritual. And um, during the ages of maybe six to 12, my dad was a pastor. And um, he did a lot of Um, (laughs) like casting out demons from people and praying over buildings, and just a lot of work with demons. So, demons were like talked about frequently Mm, in my life, okay? If that makes sense, yeah, more
1: than most people I would imagine, exactly. And
3: so, I heard a lot of stories from him, um, never really. Got to see anything because he was, of course, wanting to protect me from things. But it was something that I could feel and sense at times whenever I didn't feel safe. Um, but to actually see something didn't happen until I was 14.
1: Dun, dun, dun. I know.
3: <laughs> Cliffhanger. <laughs> okay. So I was in an apartment more out in West Omaha and um i remember it being close to the holidays and my mom and her boyfriend were out on the porch and i was inside just kind of i don't know walking around through the living room and i saw this grayish cloudy like demon thing with it was like n- kind of neon yellow eyes And I only saw it for a split second out of the corner of my eye. And I thought like, I know, I thought like, wait, did I really just see that? And so I turned back around and the curtain
2: was moving. Mm. I know. Like physically moving.
3: Yeah, like the only one of the curtains was moving by this one window. And so I thought, like, hmm, I wonder if the air vent is on. You know what I mean? Like, let's try to figure out why this just happened.
2: Because otherwise there's a demon in your room.
3: I know. (laughs) So, like, I went over there and there was no vent by that curtain. And I just looked around and I freaked out. Um, Of course, I, like, tell my mom what I saw and my brother, sister and her and a boyfriend, all get really panicked. Like, they they knew I saw something. They trusted that I saw something. So mm. um, my dad was my safe person because I knew, like, oh, he casts demons out of people and prays over people. So I, I remember calling him on the phone and saying, like, Dad, I swear I just saw a demon. I don't know why. I don't know where it went, but, like, can you pray for me? And so he prayed over the phone, um, but I was really freaked out for a while. So that was the first time I saw and what I believe was a demonic spirit.
1: Wow. And did you sleep in that room that night? Was it your room? It was the living room. Oh, okay. So
3: I, yeah, it was the back corner. And I will say after that, I never really liked going over to that side of the room.
1: Hmm. Just like the basement, like once something sort of creepy happens there, why would you, why would you go back?
3: (laughs) Totally. So yeah, that was the one demonic encounter encounter there. But I had another experience too.
1: Ooh, tell us more.
3: (laughs) This one I think is funky. (laughs) Yes. All right. This one probably gets to me the most out of all of them, so here we go. (laughs) My mom and I had watched Mothman Prophecies, and uh, if you haven't watched the movie, basically the scene I remember the most is the beginning where this car's driving and the Mothman flies over it and I think they get in a car wreck and all these horrible things happen because of the Mothman. So I had watched that movie, but I don't believe it was, like, that night or even that week. I want to say it was, like, a month later. I was in my bedroom, and I loved listening to the radio. It was, like, Disney radio back then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I was just laying there, like, rocking out to whoever was on 18s or something? (laughs) I started noticing these teeny little moths flying around my ceiling fan, and it, it was like one by one, looking up at my ceiling fan, they started swarming, and it, the swarm grew more and more and more, and I probably had about, I don't know, 50 to 100 of these teeny little moths in my bedroom. Oh, creepy gross. Yeah. So, of course, I don't like bugs. This is making me feel like super freaked out. But it was late at night. So, my conclusion was like, go to sleep. (laughs) And I know that's weird, but I was just like, if I turn the light off, then they'll leave. Well, I turned the light off and I had a big light outside of the bedroom window. And so they all flocked over to the window. And what got me was there were no bugs outside on the light. All the bugs were inside my bedroom trying to get to the light on the outside. Hmm. And it was February or so. So it was cold, which usually means here in Nebraska that you don't really have moths flying around. So,
1: yeah, I don't get that one. Where do you think they came from? Did you ever try to speculate? I honestly thought it was the moth man. Like I woke
3: up and I looked around and I expected to have like little dead moth bodies everywhere or something, you know, like all their carcasses left behind. evidence of what you'd seen, yeah. Yeah, and there was nothing. So of course I went to my mom and said, this is what I experienced last night around midnight. And we honestly thought like the mothman might have visited us.
1: Ooh. <laughs> and were you able to sleep in that room again? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was. <laughs> Thankfully they never came back. If they would have, I don't I don't I wouldn't even have been able to sleep on the couch in the living room. <laughs> Because that would have been creepy.
2: (laughs) And it's interesting how it moved from dragonfly, you know, beautiful summery creature to swarms of moths, Um, decidedly less so, (laughs) you know?
1: Yeah. And interesting that, you know, you've said a couple of times now you don't like bugs, that these, you know, whatever it is seems to be like taking the form Of something that you already have a resistance to.
3: Yeah, definitely. I feel like I'm being taunted or haunted. (laughs) That's probably the better word. By the Mothman (laughs) both times or by what? Huh. Uh, Today, I really don't believe in the Mothman. Back then I
2: did.
0: Mm.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I know, ruining that story a little.
1: No, 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 no. I want to know what you think today. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Just because you don't believe it anymore doesn't mean it doesn't exist.
1: <laughs> True. Because I saw them
3: and, like, I remember, like, I felt these moths flying around. Like, if they'd run into me, like, I remember feeling like they were brushing against me. And, like, how does your mind make that up?
2: That's what's so interesting to me.
3: So they've got to be real at some point and like I I feel like I kind of if I were to go back in my mind that time that the dragonfly came out of the glass that it brushed one of its wings brushed against my arm too
0: mm.
3: so like I didn't feel it the first dragonfly I think I felt it the second I know I felt it with the moths
1: mm. so you're kind of like encountering this with almost all your senses you heard the voice You've seen many, many things take form and you've actually felt it too. Yeah. Like on your skin, not just you felt that it was there, but you like felt it physically.
2: Yes. Mm. How terrifying.
1: (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) It really
3: was. I was happy to leave that place.
2: (laughs) So was that the last thing you encountered in that building?
3: It was the last encounter in that apartment, in that building, yes. Um, But I do have more. (laughs) Yes.
2: Let's keep going.
3: (laughs) I was between 15, i say 15 or 16 years old. Um, I could probably actually Google and figure out when the movie Amnityville Horror came out. That's a hard word to say.
1: Totally. Totally. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Amnityville. Anyways, whenever that came out in theaters was the night that I experienced my next encounter. So my dad and I had just seen the movie. Um, I really loved scary movies up until this night. And so we both went together. And I'm sure you all know that story. I came home, used the, the bathroom next to my bedroom. And I remember the toilet acting up, acting funny, and it just seemed weird. So I went to my bedroom, and um, all of a sudden, my lights started flickering. And so I tried, um, tw- like, turning the light back off and twisting the bulb, you know, because sometimes light bulbs somehow magically become loose. Sure. <laughs> and turned the light back on sat back down on my bed and the light started flickering again and so I got super freaked out and yelled for my dad and he came in and I told him what was going on and he's like well let me just get you a new light bulb you know because getting a new light bulb will help show that nothing is happening
1: rational dad things yeah
2: if it's not loose it must be broken
3: <laughs> uh-huh. so he puts a new light bulb in goes back to bed and I i was a night owl like major by the way so uh, it's late at night and he's just like go to bed like, I can't go to bed because I love staying up teenager problems
2: so I identify with this so much
3: I know So within five minutes, the light starts flickering again. And then I look over and I had a pile of maybe, I don't know, six or seven magazines sitting on the floor next to my bookshelf. And the top pages started opening all by themselves. So it was like as if wind was in my room again. (laughs) You know, different room, same wind. Um. And at that point, I lost it and was just, like, crying, and I said, Dad, you have to get in here. Amityville Horror came and followed me back, and I don't know what to do, and (laughs) so him being a pastor at the time uh, wanted to pray for me, and we opened up the Bible to Psalms 91 and read it together out loud, and everything stopped. I was fine, Um, but it became my nighttime ritual to read Psalm 91 out loud and leave the Bible open because if I left the Bible open, I felt safety that the demons weren't going to come back and get me.
2: Sure, like a ritual.
1: But that's heavy. Like, that's really heavy. What is Psalm 91 about, in a sense, in a nutshell? Yeah, just asking for God's protection
3: against the enemy. Pretty simple.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Is that something that your dad frequently used in his work, praying over buildings and casting out demons? I would think so.
3: I feel like it's one of the more common common psalms for that purpose of finding safety in God.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's interesting that your first thought was that you brought it back with you. But when you were telling me about your dad's work earlier, you were talking about that And then you told this story. I'm like thinking to myself over here, isn't the much more likely scenario that something attached itself to your dad and he brought it back to the house?
0: (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Mm.
3: I don't know. That is a good question.
1: You hear about that sometimes. Adam, have you heard any stories of like attachment like that with, well, I'm thinking ghost hunters, so it's not quite the same thing, but.
2: Yeah, I mean, you do. You hear, I mean, uh, I guess the whole adage where it's like, don't get into this unless you're willing to encounter it. You know, it's just the sort of normal warning that you always hear, right? Like once you start trying to contact ghosts or trying to contact demons, um, and religious or not, like this is not limited to, I think, you know, the, the, I guess, Christian faith's understanding, um, of, of demonology or whatever. But like, I hear this from, you know, all sorts of places where it's like, I've even heard of, of prominent, you know, ghost hunters, for lack of a better term, like right. giving it up because they were so terrified outside of their work. Um, but yeah, you have to ask the question, like, is is it that you just happened to end up in a bunch of, you know, haunted homes or was were they attached to you? To, to the people. Or to the people.
3: I know. And it is weird because it hasn't been in every home I've been in. Hmm. But- when it happens, it's specific homes.
1: Hmm.
2: That's interesting. Is
1: there anything that those three, for instance, have in common? No, because the first one was with
3: both my parents. Second one was with my mom. Third place was with my dad. Hmm.
0: Hmm.
2: So you said that you started sort of started to make this ritual of, you know, reading this verse and keeping the Bible open as you went to bed, and then it stopped. So was that the last encounter You had?
3: No, I had one more major encounter. (gasps) One more. Okay. (laughs)
1: Just one more. They just
2: keep coming. One
3: more. (laughs) So I was 17. I was the strongest in my Christian faith at that time. And I actually moved into dun-dun-dun. The basement. Of it's my all coming
2: house. together. I sense you
3: know start bookends starts with the basement, ends with the basement.
2: That's called a callback, folks.
3: <laughs> so I had my bedroom in the basement, and I I remember coming home from school, and of course because I stayed up late, I always came home from school tired and wanted to take like an hour nap and then go on with my day, hanging out with friends and everything. So I was home just kind of lounging on the bed, reading, thinking about taking a nap. And all of a sudden, this foggy cloud demon came into the bedroom and started telling me, um, like, you are worthless. You're the worst person. Um, You're not going to amount to anything. You can't fight against me. And it's just, like, tormenting me. Mm. And I remember it just being really like, smoky and having beady, like, white eyes and just being this fog in front of me. And so I was, like, not trying to challenge it, but just say, like, I'm a follower of Christ and, like, you are not allowed in this house. I believe, like, the blood of Jesus is on me and, like, you can't torment me go away and so I just like laid there and it kept talking to me and I was like no go away and so it had like this like smoky line coming out of it like an arm and I was laying on my side reading and so this fist came down and hit me in like the hip thigh area. Oh what? And it, it hit you? I I know. It hit me and I was so confused because I thought like I'm protected you, like the church teaches like you're protected with the blood of Christ they can't hurt you. And then I'm like, "Well, why did it just punch me?"
1: And Good question. I know. It punched
3: me and left so, like, I couldn't even retaliate in any form. It just was like, punch, I hate you, goodbye. And I looked down, and I had, like, a literal bruise on my thigh. And I just, like, couldn't believe that that actually happened. I think I had youth group. It was either that night or the next night. And so I went... um, And talked to the leaders and was like, this is what I experienced. And I showed them, like, this is the bruise that I have on my thigh. Can you guys pray over it? And um, they prayed for me and prayed protection that I wouldn't be harmed again. And when they prayed for me, I looked down and the bruise that was, like, oval turned into the shape of a heart. And then the next day disappeared.
1: Wow, bruises don't go away that fast, though. No, it was super weird. Did you feel you were healed?
3: I do feel like, yes. Like, them praying, the bruise was probably half the size after they were done praying. And, like, the church I was in was a very big healing church. They believed in the power of healing. And so, like, I felt like that was— Partly like half healed, if that makes sense.
0: Hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh.
2: I don't really know what to say. <laughs> that is. I know. A wild story.
1: It's the most physical one I think I've ever heard. Yeah.
2: Was this demon similar to the other demon you saw? You know, you said it was cloudy and gray, with glowing eyes. Yeah.
1: No. I feel like I could
3: see more details the second time. Like, I only got to see it out of the corner of my eye the first time. And I don't think it was the same one, but, like, I don't see it that way. But I did feel, like, victorious in being able to say, like, I'm not afraid of you anymore.
1: Yeah, good for you. What a hard thing.
2: And I'm I'm hesitant to ask this, but was this the last thing you saw?
1: <laughs> nope. One more.
3: I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it It was, and I honestly sometimes get bummed about that. (laughs) I do, (laughs) I do sometimes feel, um, just, I, I seem to think of it as discernment. Like, I could tell, like, as an adult and child, back being a child, I could feel when I was in an unsafe place, um, and I feel like I, that still carries with me sometimes, but not as much as whenever I was a kid and teenager. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah.
1: So did you believe in these things before you saw them? Oh, the dragonfly.
3: Never would have thought about it before it happened. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, for those ones, Ah. I, those stump me so much. The demons I believe in, I feel like there's, uh, it's kind of described like a veil that sometimes gets removed and some people can see into the world of the supernatural, spiritual angels and demons. And I don't know if that veil is just lifted for certain times or If it was like a period of my life, Mm. I don't know if I need to go hunting to go find
1: (laughs) bits.
2: Some sort of dimensional break.
1: Yeah. Uh, Do you think that there was a meaningful um, connection to that period in your life that, that makes any sense to you? Like, can you connect it to anything you were thinking about or doing or exploring when you were those ages experiencing these things? Not really. Um...
3: I think about the movies. Yeah. And like part of me wants to be like, Vera, it was just your imagination. You were in a daydream. <laughs> but like I saw it. So then I'm like, no, like my eyeballs physically saw it. I didn't make it up in my head. Mm-hmm. So it gets tricky.
2: The easy explanation does not apply.
3: Never
1: does, does it? It does not. No. But one thing that I love about how this ends is like the last time you saw something was was you having that moment of victory and you saying, no, go away. And that that maybe was so powerful that it has lasted you the rest of your life. Have you ever thought about it that way? I have.
3: So Halloween is always fun and um, I don't really like the haunted houses that you like run through and people chase you with fake chainsaws because I feel like I'm going to be the one that trips and actually gets (laughs) injured from a real chainsaw. (laughs) So like, I'm not afraid of like, (laughs) I'm not afraid of like the makeup and the setup. And like, I think it's really fascinating, but I hate the speed of it because I'm just such a sloppy trip. Like I will trip in there. So I stare away from those. But I will say in the last month, the curiosity got the best of me. Maybe not the best of me. Maybe I got the best of it. Anyways, (laughs) I visited the Museum of Shadows in Plattsmouth, Nebraska. Have you guys heard of this place? No. What is that? No. (laughs) So, it's obviously in Plattsmouth in the, like, older area. So, I think it's like a three-story building used to be a brothel and there were like several murders in the the building and so there's different levels you can go into. Anyways um, I went with a friend and her daughter because I was curious if I would actually be attacked again and I know that kind of sounds stupid
1: but it doesn't sound stupid. It had been
3: so long since I've (laughs) the curiosity part just makes me wonder, like, were those things real and can I experience it again? But then I'm scared to experience it again.
2: I love your willingness to explore this.
3: Yeah, it's very recent. What happened when you were there? So I did have a little something happen. (laughs) Whenever you walk in, um, you can rent a ghost meter. Um, You guys talked about the technical word for it. What is it? EMF, is that it? Yep. EMF, yeah. Yep. And so you can rent one of those. When you're there, it goes off randomly. And so we walked around. The main floor has a lot of artifacts. And then there's a hallway with probably 40 or 50 haunted dolls. Um, There's an upstairs with the murder scenes and a downstairs. That's supposed to be the creepiest part.
1: Wait, murder scenes? Well, (laughs) they have like,
3: you know, the tape on the floor to outline where murders, murder, a murder was done. Mm -hmm. So there's like an outline of a person, but then there's a bunch of X's on the floor that showed where people got shot. So like, if you feel brave enough, you can go stand on the X's and like maybe feel their, I don't know, souls or how macabre. Seriously. <laughs> it's it's really interesting. We had a lot of activity going on the ghost meter up there. We didn't have very min- much in the basement, which is funny because like most people get freaked out about the basement. There's like probably 20 Ouija boards down there and like a séance area and one of two of their most haunted dolls. And I read the sign, and it's like, say hello to Demas, and if you want to talk to him, you can, but after you're done, make sure to say goodbye, or he'll follow you home. It's basically how I took it. So I did not say goodbye, because I actually was creeped out by that doll. (laughs) But I felt pretty brave walking through everything else. Um, The thing that did happen was we were kind of on our way out and we went through the hallway of dolls and i heard this like childish hello and i looked around and i was like did you two hear this cuz my friend and her daughter were there and they turned around and they're like yeah we heard a hello and it, the weirdest part was the dolls are all of course lining the wall but the hello came like out of thin air in the middle of us. But the ghost meter wasn't going off. I feel like if the ghost meter would have been going off, I would have believed, like, I've really heard something. Mm. But I'm nervous. I only, like, halfway heard something.
1: But everybody else said they heard it. I know. Uh, I'm never. It's so weird how your mind plays games like that. Mm hmm.
2: Yeah, I have so many questions about this place. <laughs> but unfortunately, I don't think we have time for all of them.
1: So we'll just have to go there the next time we're in Plattsmouth, uh-huh. Nebraska. Yes. yes, Actually, no, fuck that. I'm not going to this place. I'll come with you.
2: <laughs> I'm going to go to this place without you. <laughs> um, well, Vera, I cannot thank you enough for coming on to the show. Uh, these stories were some of the most intense, I think, that we've heard yet. <laughs>
3: What a rich trove. Definitely an adventure. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, I hope, I guess it sounds like you kind of want to connect again um, in some way. And I hope that you're successful or not successful if you change your mind. Um, And again, thanks for coming on the show. We've really appreciated your time and uh, look forward to hearing if you have any more.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Remember the lesson to always say goodbye or leave me alone. (laughs) Right? Deal. (laughs) Deal. That's what I'm taking away from this. If it does happen, just make sure to say goodbye or leave me alone. And those are your most powerful incantations. It's true. I love it. Well, thanks again, Vera. Thank you guys so much. So... um. Are we going to go to the shadow museum and like take our cats in those little <laughs> backpacks that have the little window where they can look out and see all the creepy stuff too? I think they would love it. Uh,
2: I think it would be scary for me, let alone the cats. I'm having a hard time imagining <laughs> them going there. Um, but it is wild how Vera went there, not only because it was interesting, but because she wanted to experience that. I'd be terrified. Oh
1: my God, yeah. She had some of the most visceral experiences we've heard about on the show. Like multiple encounters with, I think, three different things, three paranormal things. And I guess the first one was that basement. What do you think happened in the basement?
2: I have no idea. I guess that's that's the thread for me across all these stories is that I have no idea what happened. I, I, I cannot explain it. <laughs> I just don't know.
1: Well, Okay. Great. I don't want you to tell her story for her. Maybe I'll just ask you a different question. Um, (laughs) Were you afraid of your basement growing up?
0: Hmm.
2: I don't think so. (laughs) I mean, so there is a story. um, One of the basements when I was growing up, um, it did get broken into. There was a door out to the garage. It got broken into. But I was so young, it didn't really affect me. And honestly, later on, that went to become my bedroom. So no, I... The basement didn't scare me. Did it scare you?
1: I mean, yeah. My parents, I grew up in a manufactured home, and they got to choose the layout of that interior. And my parents told me they specifically chose the interior that didn't have an open stairway to the basement with a banister or something. They chose one with a closed door. Mm. Uh, because they didn't want to immediately have to be responsible for finishing the basement. Oh, two plans. So, <laughs> yeah, whether it was like funds or just they were tired of the whole process, I wouldn't blame them. Yeah. But um, it was so separate from the rest of our lives. We almost never went down there. Um, when we did, um, it was, you know, a concrete floor and 2 by Y4s everywhere. I would just be hanging out there when my dad was like working on the wiring or something. And mm. I would... It was kind of cool. I would like rollerblade around on the concrete <laughs> and take my boom box or... Very brink of you. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't like a place I super loved to hang out, especially alone. You know, like we didn't just spend time down sure, there. There was sure. like cobwebs and piles of junk that people could be hiding behind and not to mention mm-hmm. scary furnace noises and the water heater and things yeah. that you don't understand. But we had a chalkboard. Once my dad put up some drywall, we also got a chalkboard and desks from our school So we played school down there kind of like, kind of like Vera. Um, Nothing scary though. No scary voices or experiences. So hers, damn, she was upstairs when it happened, hearing this voice say her name. And all she did was hear it. She didn't see anything. It's interesting. So cool that she created this image of the person saying her name. She put the voice to a face.
2: Yeah, it is cool. And I wonder if that face that she put to the voice, I wonder if if that was connected in any way to the rest of her life like the other experiences she had were. Hmm. You know, I mean, her dad um, was so involved. Uh, this sounds weird. He was so involved with demons. He was. Um, <laughs> it was sort of part of their life. Um, I wonder if that voice actually had anything to do with it as well or yeah, if it was just was random.
1: It, was it like a person that she, I don't know. That's, that, it is cool. Um, And you're right. Demons were obviously a part of the family's life. They believed in, you know, a God, which Mm -hmm. went hand in hand with this other kind of belief, Mm -hmm. which meant believing in demons, too.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And maybe, you know, the belief of her community informs how she pictured those experiences that happened to her, how she made sense of them, and... Yeah, I don't know.
0: Well, yeah, and
2: even if it wasn't what they thought it was, like, let's say that the the culture completely influenced all of this, and because they were so intertwined with the concept of demons, um, that that's what they immediately thought it was. Either way, they still experienced something, right?
1: Yeah, they experienced something, and it wasn't just something that was dismissed. She had people who believed her, even when she was the only one that saw it.
2: Well, and I wonder if that is maybe part of the reason why she wasn't afraid of her house after all of this. Because oh, God, I would never I would,
1: want to go back in the house again. Yeah,
2: I wouldn't be able to sleep. Like, she was able to just move on probably, or I, I guess maybe not probably, but maybe because— That's what she said. Oh, yeah, I guess it is what she said. But she was able to move on maybe because of the people that were around her and the community that was sort of helping her get through it. She was able to, I guess, process it in a way that— most kids might not be able to.
1: Right. And, you know, most kids just aren't believed. And so if she was able to process it differently, I wonder if that has something to do with her wanting to go back and experience something similar again, like Mm. in the museum. It seems like, I don't know, some kind of nostalgia or something. Mm. Is it a loss of childhood? Is paranormal, the loss of the paranormal experiences in her life associated with that? Mm. Or, you know, does she desire to just see it again or both?
0: Yeah.
2: Well, there is something intriguing about what we don't understand, I guess.
1: True. Listeners, what was the scariest thing that you ever imagined happening in your basement, in your house? And do you miss it? Tweet at us at NPN Podcast and let us know.
2: As always, make sure to subscribe to our weekly show on your favorite podcast provider or at our website, npnpodcast.com.
1: See you at the Shadow Museum. Normal Paranormal is a Super Secret Club production. Our theme music is by the Envy Corps. Visit our website podcast.com or our Twitter at NPN Podcast for updates and the latest episodes.